Welcome to the What If Podcast, where we rewrite sports past, present, and future. We're your hosts, Eddie, Jeet, Cameron, and Michael. Four lifelong friends, each with a unique perspective on sports. And find out what if Ichiro played his entire career in the MLB. What's good from the trenches, everybody? It's the gang back for season two, starting now. You might be wondering when season two starting, and here it is. And we really got a jam-packed season for you coming up. It's bigger, it's better, and we're excited. So let's not mess around anymore. Um, we got the same crew as always. We got Cameron and Michael on the mics. Mike on the mic, Cameron on the mic. Yes, sir. That's oh, right. Yeah. Didn't set it up. I'll set it up for next time, but I still have my mic there. on my desk. <laughs> there we go. At least it's there. We got Eddie, who doesn't need a mic because he's got those sultry tones. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> there he is. The mic needs him. <laughs> um, anyways, <laughs> don't know what that means, but so speaking of Eddie, actually, it's fitting that we start this season pretty close to a day where Eddie's life was started. Um, <laughs> basically, Eddie's birthday is coming up, and we just want to honor that and relay some of our memories of him. So Eddie and I go back. We've known each other since we were children. One memory I have of Eddie is every day at recess, we play soccer. And this is when we were in like third grade. Our PE coach would, to start us off, would kick the ball super high up in the air. And then most of us would just let it bounce and, you know, not want to touch it. But then every time Eddie would not let it bounce and just run up to it and head it as hard as he could. So he was known as the guy with like the strong headers. And then he also got a reputation as the rhino because he would not only head balls, but sometimes head people. And <laughs> he would occasionally like, I don't know how else to say it, but like head someone. Yeah, basically it'd be like, he'd be thrown out of every single college football game right now for targeting is essentially what it was. Just right to the chest every time, just the top of the head, just charging right at you. And I will say on the topic of Eddie being called the Rhino, I did not get to meet Eddie until sixth grade, middle school, because I did not go to the same elementary school as Eddie, Cameron, and Jean. We played indoor soccer in the middle school years. Eddie still had that same nickname, and it was awesome. Well, it wasn't, wasn't spearing people in the head in middle school, but I think that, that, that was left at Old Bottom. <laughs> we'll forever have the memories. So, and the marks. That's a, yeah, exactly. So, I don't that's... <laughs> I have a lot of memories of Eddie, but that's that's always one that comes to mind. Yeah, you uh, you stole that one for me. That wasn't one of my bullet points, the rhino. I mean, that's the first thing that I think of. The other two I had were we, would, we went to Basque, which is before and after school care. And so me and Eddie, we'd always hang out during that time because our parents just didn't love us that much. And then um, one pick us up from school. <clears throat> 
So, you know, we always like after school, we'd go there, get like a snack and usually like we'd go outside and play or, you know, we'd do like a game inside if it was too cold or something. And so I remember they used to never, the snack would never fill you up. Like all you would want was like three more of the same snack. So me and Eddie started doing this thing where we would climb underneath the tables and pick up like whatever had been falling off the floor. And so we'd eat it off the floor. And uh, yeah, we weren't the smartest kids back in the day, but that was pretty fun. The other one I had was we were in high school and we were playing this game at CBC. And I think this was JV soccer. And it was like pouring down rain. It was miserable. But I just remember that Eddie scored this goal and we won the game one to zero. So he scored the only goal and he scores it and he takes off and he's running. It was super cold too. So instead of wearing like gloves, he was wearing these two big white goalie mitts. <laughs> and so he's like super pumped. So he's like flying, he's just running. And when Eddie runs, his arms are like flailing out to the side and they're like wet noodles just flopping in the wind. And so <laughs> it was just the funniest thing. And then if I remember right, a bunch of people were trying to like congratulate you and specifically Jake tried to grab you and you like straight up stiff armed him like almost to the ground basically and just like kept running, made a beeline all the way back past midfield. It was one of the funniest celebrations I've ever seen. Yeah, a thousand iconic moments in history. For sure. Eddie, that passion man was beautiful. I guess on the topic, ironically, my Eddie story, many come to mind, but the one that really resonates is also dealing with passion. Eddie's an amazing, incredible public speaker, has been since middle school, high school, and high school, I think it was senior year, maybe junior year, but Eddie was presenting on, I think just like hyping up the crowd during this assembly. It may have been a sports-centric assembly. And I just remember Eddie, like he got the crowd so into it and he was not scared at all, or at least not that I could tell. And I can't remember the context, but I just remember the go-to phrase that Eddie had said was like, go get what you want. You got this, do it. Get that steak. Again, I don't remember the context, but I remember that as the takeaway. And I think we should all get that steak. You were like kneeling down at center court like on the ram or something and you I can't remember what the phrase I it was that the phrase that you said over and over again is get the steak I don't remember exactly frankly do not remember what was said but I do remember the event <laughs> I remember I was there but I don't remember exactly what I said there must have been a thousand people in there you had them all just at your fingertips it was it was beautiful that's right you have a way with words, Eddie, man. I'll tell you, like, that was impressive. But everyone felt, like, invigorated. Like, everyone was clapping and cheering as loud as they could after that. Like, we'd be walking in the halls, and people were like, you're the guy that gave that speech. <laughs> He's the guy that got that steak. So, as you can see, we all got a lot of love for Eddie. He's our guy. We go way back with him. And happy birthday, Eddie. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for saying those things about me. Some of those things I don't recall. As <laughs> it's probably all the headbutting that you did as a child. <laughs> <laughs> Some brain damage up there, maybe. You might, you might be right. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking about one old man to another, 
Let's talk about Ichiro Suzuki. How about that? How about Da? So the episode today, as you can tell from the title, is Ichiro, the legendary baseball player. And what if he spent his entire career in the United States rather than only coming here at age 27? So that's what we're talking about today. Let's go ahead and get into it. So, essentially, there was somewhat of a rule for Japanese players where they could not go to the American Baseball League until they've had a certain number of seasons in Japan because Japan was going to lose like all their best players on a moment's notice to the MLB. So they set up this rule, which is why a lot of Japanese players still can't go to the MLB until they're like 27 years old. So that was true with Ichiro. And when he was 27, he moved from the Japan Baseball League to the Seattle Mariners. And I think we all know the rest where he had this incredible career. He has the most hits all time if you count all his Japan seasons and MLB seasons combined. But technically, the most hits in MLB history is Pete Rose. But then that does lead to the interesting question where if we start talking about what if Ichiro had his entire career in the United States, then the next question is, would he beat Pete Rose's record for the most hits in MLB history and be the all-time hit leader? So here's some numbers. Ichiro had 3,089 MLB hits alone. Pete Rose has the all-time record with 4,256. So Ichiro is about 1,200 behind Pete Rose. Ichiro played about eight or nine seasons in Japan before coming to the United States at the age of 27. And what just blew me away was that his first season in the MLB, he won Rookie of the Year, he won MVP, and he led his team to a lot of success. And this was a team that had just lost Alex Rodriguez on the Mariners. They just lost Ken Griffey Jr. They were not looking like a team that was stacked, but he kind of carried them. So he had a big impact from day one. Like he did not need any adjustment. He hit 242 hits that season. And for context, since in the past like 20 years or so, only a few players have over 220 hits in a season, and they're all named Ichiro. He's the only guy that's ever done it. And he basically set the record for hits in a season with 262 during his 2004 season. He's the all-time hits leader in a season in the MLB. He also went 10 straight years with at least 200 hits, which has never been done before. The closest anyone's come to that was some guy in the 1800s, Willie Keeler. So that's absurd. And it's looking like a lot of the records that he sets are records that may never be broken. Like that single season hits record, I personally would be surprised if we see anyone break it in our lifetime. So he was an all-time great hitter. He was an incredible defender, uh, won a ton of golden gloves. 
super fast. He was basically halfway to first base by the time the ball left his bat. Didn't hit for a lot of power, but he always got on base. That kind of sets the scene for who he was and what we know of him in the MLB. We know he just had no problem hitting the ball against anyone. No problem at all. So then when we're asking the question, what if he stayed in the MLB his entire career, then that kind of brings into the question of what would he be in the MLB as a younger person? So I think there are really two ways that I see this. One is if Ichiro went to the MLB from basically the beginning of his career, you can argue that he would break the all-time hits record or you could argue that he wouldn't break it. And then there are a few arguments on each side. For the people who say that he would not break the all-time hits record, you might be thinking that, for one thing, he came from the Japanese league, which is a bit of a step down from the MLB. I was looking at some of the comparisons, and they were judging by things like the pitcher's average velocity and things like that, and they judged that the Japanese league is a little better than AAA in the minor leagues, but lower than MLB. So it's not quite to the standard of the American majors. And then you could also say that if he came as a younger player, he may not have been as polished as when he did come because he came at age 27. He was in his prime. Like he knew what kind of batter he was. He knew exactly how to play. So there was no need for big adjustments. They knew what they were getting and he knew what he was doing. But maybe you could say if he came as an 18 year old, you're still kind of forming your identity as a person and as a player. Maybe he doesn't have the skills at that age, and maybe he doesn't get the coaching that he got in Japan. And with the whole different cultural differences, maybe it would have been harder to kind of move to this league at such a young age. So that could be an argument for why he wouldn't break the record. Also, one thing I was thinking of is I would imagine that there is a big stigma against foreign-born players at this time, because this is the early 90s. Really, the only Japanese player that had made an impact, a big impact in the league at this time was Hideo Nomo. And then Ichiro was right after him, proving that Japanese players can hang with the best of the MLB players. So there might have been some stigma where people said, because he's from a foreign country, he's not going to fit in well. Maybe he doesn't get as many chances as he would have otherwise. So that could be an argument against why he would break the record. But then I'll get the argument for, and I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts. For one thing, going back to his Japanese numbers, he had insane numbers there as well. Like he would always hit above like 350, up to some seasons he hit 380. And so if you can imagine someone hitting that well in the minor leagues, you would imagine that they're going to instantly get a chance in the major leagues. Like that's not going to be a huge concern. And also the fact that he came in in his first season in the major leagues and he hit 350, 242 hits, which was unheard of at the time until he broke that. And then he was just such a like star player that he got the MVP award in his very first season. That shows that the adjustment wasn't that big for him. Like he was ready. And I think that kind of goes as a testament to his work ethic because he was known for being meticulous with an incredible eye for the details like he would adjust the humidity of his baseball bats wherever they were to make sure that they were always perfectly conditioned. 
he was very much like a Kobe Bryant, Tom Brady, like very meticulous about every little thing. So I think that would have helped him as a young person as well in adapting to a foreign country and a foreign league because he would have the work ethic required to make whatever adaptations are required. The other thing is that he didn't have any problems in making impact on his team as well because his team started having success pretty early on. So in this scenario where we imagine Ichiro coming as a younger person, I'm assuming that he would come to the Mariners still. And the Mariners team at this time, they would have had Ken Griffey Jr., they would have had Alex Rodriguez, they would have had Randy Johnson, they would have Edgar Martinez, add Ichiro to that. And the Mariners, the only team that have never played in a World Series, that's a World Series type team. Can you imagine how many times he would have been on base in front of Ken Griffey Jr. and A-Rod? That would have been a diabolical lineup. And the Mariners also have a tendency to give chances to younger players more. Like A-Rod broke through when he was like 19. Ken Griffey Jr. broke through when he was 18. So I think they've got a good eye for prospects and they've got a lot of leniency in letting young players shine. So I think that would have also played to his advantage in building his career from the start. So those are the arguments you could give for and against about why he might or might not break the all-time hits record. Personally, I think if Ichiro had played his entire career in the United States, I think 100% he would have broken the record. Especially towards the end of his career, if he was close to breaking it, I think he could have even played even longer just to break it. Because even Pete Rose, like when he was 45, he was still playing. He was like a player manager, so he could come put himself in. Um, and I think Ichiro could have, he had incredible durability, rarely got injured. So I think for sure, in my opinion, he would have broken the record. Also, just a testament to kind of the impact he's had on the game. Because now we see a lot of Japanese players who are totally changing the game. Like Shohei Otani is just destroying the league. Uh, in a good way and then also there's this guy the next big thing is a guy named Seiya Suzuki who is basically a superstar in Japan and every MLB team is trying to win the kind of lottery for him and he wears number 51 because that was Ichiro's number so he kind of did that as an homage to Ichiro but yeah so I guess the questions I have are what do you guys think of Ichiro do you think if he played his entire career in the U.S., he would break the all-time hits record? And also, what impact do you think he, as a Japanese foreign player, had in changing the landscape of MLB, which is a typically pretty conservative sport, you know, like America's pastime, very much rooted in tradition and things like that. What impact do you think a guy like Ichiro has had and yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, the first thing that comes to my mind is, first of all, the greatest backyard baseball player of all time. I mean, totally unstoppable, because even if he just, like, bunted it, he'd get the second. He was insane. But, like, in real baseball terms, I never thought about it in terms of the Mariners. You brought up a good point there because I've always thought about it from the single accolade, like the personal accolade perspective. And granted, I think, I can't remember the exact numbers. What was he about like 1200 hits behind or something like that 
for him to get that number, it's still, you know, barring him being healthy all those years, which he was generally pretty healthy. You know, obviously it was possible, but I mean, that's, you're still talking about 200 hits almost every year for another six, seven, eight years. So, I mean, him coming in fresh like that at 18 and 19, hitting 200 hits is hard to imagine, but at the same time, this brings me to my second point was, is that, you know, you're talking about if he is coming up in a different, in the minor leagues, for example, you know, he played as a teenager in that Japanese league. And as we've learned over the years, you mentioned it, Japanese league is very good still. It's not the major leagues, but it's much better than most of your minor league leagues outside of maybe AAA. So he essentially started at AAA when he was a teenager and he's putting up those kinds of numbers. I mean, that's unheard of. So he obviously had whatever he needed to have to be successful. And I think that he would have made an immediate impact in the major leagues. But it would have been so much fun to watch him. Obviously, we weren't alive, but just to see what kind of numbers he would have put up as a young kid, as opposed to a person in his prime. And then obviously, he's he's paved the way for so many Japanese baseball players. Um, like some of the come to mind are like Hideki Matsui and Yu Darvish. The Cardinals have had a number of them. Like Sotoguchi wasn't like super successful, but he was on the Cardinals for a while. Miles Michaelis, he wasn't, he's not Japanese, but he played in the Japanese league and had immediate success. The Cardinals have had a bunch of other pitchers as well that, you know, have been really good. So his impact has been just monstrous, really. I mean, even he hasn't even his own food named after him, the Ichi roll. Like you can't get better than that, right? So yeah. I think to answer your question first off, like would he get the most hits in MLB history if he got to the major leagues earlier on? And I agree with you. I think 100 percent yeah. I mean, if he's the only guy who's hit over 200 hits in 10 consecutive years in MLB history, and you know, the sport is not 50 years old, it's over hundred years old at that time. Like that is incredible. And he's coming in at age 27. And to Cameron's point, we said the same thing, like AAA is AAA. Major League Baseball is Major League Baseball. In regards to quality, Japanese League is kind of splitting the difference. But if you have a guy who's putting up incredible numbers at AAA, like if he's putting up numbers at AAA, he's going to get to the Major Leagues real soon after. So I think that counterpoint to like, he would not get the hit record just because he's playing in the Japanese League, I think is not correct. I don't think there's much validity to it. Um, I think I was doing some research on the back end here, Chief. I totally agree. Like if Ken Griffey was still there, Alex Rodriguez was still there, Ichiro just got on base. He wasn't a power hitter. So what that means for longevity, you know, he's probably not going to get as many injuries. And he played really well late into his career. Playing in the Major League Baseball for five, six, seven years beforehand I don't think would have had an impact on his longevity of his career. So what does that mean? He has more opportunities at the plate, get more hits. So I think it's a resounding yes, if he gets the record or that he gets the record. And I got to say, like, I feel almost bad for each row in the sense that like, you know, during this time of baseball, you know, he's also playing in Seattle, which is not the biggest franchise. And, you know, you have Barry Bonds with the San Francisco Giants and like all these players, and this is the steroid era as well. And Ichiro was basically the antithesis to that, right? Like, he was not the 6'5", 270-pound guy. Like, he's 5'11". 
And I feel like in some ways, just because he was kind of thrown into the steroid era time-wise, in some ways, I feel like maybe he's not talked about as much as he perhaps deserves to be. Yeah. Um, you know, for someone who doesn't really know much about Ichiro or about baseball in general, I mean, the people in my mind that I think of, you know, the likes of Melky Cabrera, like that's my favorite. <laughs> but in all seriousness, this was uh, just really interesting to hear about Ichiro, just hearing about all these stats. So he played for the Mariners in the entirety of his career, correct? He got he's, straight into the Yankees for a little bit. I don't know if he played. I think he went back to the Mariners after he played for the Yankees, if I remember right. He went to the Yankees, then he went to the Marlins. Oh, okay. And then he went to the Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Mariners, Yankees, Marlins, back to Mariners. Gotcha. And during this whole time, he had 200-plus hits every season. For his first 10 seasons, all of them, I think, were with the Mariners. He had 200-plus hits. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. I don't think he really regularly started for the Marlins or the Yankees. I think they kind of traded him to the Yankees because they wanted to get him a ring kind of a thing. And the Yankees were pretty good that year. So he never won a World Series, or did he? No. He never won a World Series. Wow. And the time he was with the Mariners, the first 10 seasons, how many playoff appearances did he make? Let me look it up. While you're looking that up, G, I, I would like to say, too, I'm very interested to see if he would have been appreciated as much if he would have played in the major league today. Because, you know, today's baseball is so, it's so much based on power and slugging and hitting home runs and doubles and triples. So, like, a guy like Ichiro, who, I mean, just lived off singles. I don't, I don't know the exact numbers, but I am fairly confident that like his slugging probably wasn't very high. Like he just slapped singles left and right. So it I makes me wonder if people would have been like, well, I wish he hit for more power because that's what they do with guys who hit like 300. They're like, yeah, but all he hits is singles. Like what's he bringing to the table? You know, everyone is so focused with analytics on power and everything. But it also makes me wonder too, with all the analytics, how often you see the shift being put on for a lot of people if you know they would have played him differently would he just like bring the whole outfield in and play people in the gaps and like play five infielders or something because all he would do is just like slap it in these gaps everywhere or you know if you're talking about how good Ichiro is like how meticulous he is he probably is good enough to be like he's just going to hit it where people aren't essentially and hit more doubles and stuff I don't know I was thinking that exact same thing Cameron like if I remember, you know, I didn't watch a lot of Seattle Mariners games growing up, to be fair. I feel like he had a lot of, like, hits down the left field line, so he hit, hit it the opposite field. And I agree, like, even if they're playing in, like, somehow, some way, he's still going to get the double down the line, or he's going to split the gap for another double or triple. He seemed like that good, technically, to be able to beat the shift. I was also thinking, like, kind of the evolution of baseball. Like, I'm trying to think of another counterpoint to saying, hey, Ichiro, maybe you wouldn't have gone the record over Pete Rose, or if he did, there'd be an asterisk next to it. I wonder, like, if there would be any debate from when Pete Rose played in the 80s, maybe the 70s, um, compared to when Ichiro played. 70s? Mm -hmm. Gotcha. I wonder if there was a comparison, like, 
it was so much harder in my generation as Pete Rose to get X amount of hits compared to each row 20, 30 years later. See, I would argue that it's become much more pitcher friendly league because the strikeout rate has gone up so much and the team averages has gone down so much because how many pitchers do you know now that throw a hundred? The Cardinals won't have like four dudes on the team. And, you know, it didn't used to be like that. Even starters, I mean, start like your Steven Strasburgs and Max Scherzers. I mean, all those guys are throwing 98 out the gate, you know? So I would say that it would be increasingly harder today to hit 200 hits. I mean, obviously the mindset has changed a little bit too. So that attributes to the strikeouts and everything. But Ichiro isn't facing, like Randy Johnson was an anomaly in, you know, 1990. And he's, that's not an anomaly anymore. I mean, every single guy in the staff throws 95, 98, it seems like. So if you play today, it definitely would be harder just based on how good the pitchers are and stuff. But he was so good. Like, I mean, he would never strike out. You could not get the dude out. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So the reason why I was asking those questions, Jeet, and I don't know if you have the information, but like I was trying to make a case for stat padding in the sense like if he's playing for the Mariners and the Mariners are not really a successful team they're just always missing the playoffs not to say that they were tanking but like they just weren't close to making the playoffs consistently and the fact that he was performing so well I don't know if stat padding is a thing in baseball as it is in the NBA and you know just for context for people who don't know what stat padding is Stat padding is like, let's say there's a player in basketball who is trying to make plays that are sometimes unnecessary to better increase their personal stats. So some would say Russell Westbrook is that type of person that is stat padding. He's always getting triple doubles, getting a lot of rebounds, getting a lot of assists, getting a lot of points, things like that. So I don't know. A lot of times when you're on a bad team and you're like the only person that can score, you take all the shots. Exactly. Your numbers look inflated. Yeah, exactly. So I wanted to make a case for that. And I don't know if stat padding is necessarily some conversation that happens in baseball. But yeah. I would argue that that like him being on not as good teams throughout history makes it even more impressive because whenever you play on a bad team, you're not getting as many at bats during the game. And it's not necessarily like he can control how many assists or how many shots he takes. You know, it's not like basketball. It's a very individual sport at times in that it's just you up at the plate and nothing else is affecting that, right? So he's probably getting limited at bats throughout the season because maybe the rest of the team isn't very good. So he's only getting three to four at bats as opposed to him being on a good team. He gets like five and six at bats a game and putting up that many hits it makes it that much more impressive in my mind that he's still cranking out all these numbers, even on bad teams. So if he was playing on those teams with King Griffith Jr. and all those guys, I mean, those offenses were insane. I mean, he, he's getting so many more opportunities to play during that. So many more at-bats, I should say. To circle back on some of the stats, to answer your question, Eddie, it looks like Ichiro played in the playoffs twice. Once was his very first season, the Mariners, and then the second time was his very first season with the Yankees. 
and then also to talk about the Pete Rose comparison. So it looks like Pete Rose's career batting average was 303. Ichi Rose in the MLB only was 317. And then the average during the league during each of their times. So Pete Rose, when he was in the league, the average batting average across the league was 254. And for Ichiro, it was 261. So pretty similar, like not a huge difference there. But it seems like Ichiro's average was a bit better. I'd also be interested in like on base percentage too. Like I think around this time as well, like Moneyball really came into play with the A's, right? So like what better player would there be for Moneyball, Oakland Athletics, and Ichiro Suzuki playing in the same division? And I think um I can't remember who said it. Cameron, you may have said like the different Japanese players who've come in after Ichiro and G mentioned the one who came in before. And I was doing some research into the Mariners around this time. And it looks like their owner, like not long before Ichiro came on board with Mariners, um, was a Japanese businessman called Hiroshi Yamauchi. And I'm just like wondering, like how many other teams passed up on a guy like Ichiro just because he's playing in the Japanese baseball league, kind of relatively unknown, especially in the early 2000s, technology not as good. And then like, what role did he play as an owner? Which I don't know the answer to. It looked like he left the Mariners in 2002. But how many teams had the option to pick him up and just said no? But then all these Japanese players are coming in after Ichiro. Like, he really was a trailblazer in a lot of ways for Japanese players coming to the MLB. I want to touch on the two questions, Jeet. Would Ichiro break the all-time hits record if he began his career in the U.S.? I think yes. I think for a lot of the points that you made, they're very compelling. You know, work ethic. It's really interesting that the Mariners, they tend to have, I don't know if they still do, but back then they had the tendency to let young players to shine. So that was a really compelling point. And I also have to agree with Michael. He mentioned earlier, like the fact that the Japanese league is like, quote unquote, weaker. I don't think that's relevant. So I'd agree there. In terms of the Japanese foreign player making an impact on MLB as a whole, I think of it like, you know, just the fact that he was so successful. You know, you see, as we mentioned, a lot of the Japanese players or players that played in the Japanese professional league coming into MLB after Ichiro. So that's one. I also like to think that for him being successful, it makes that market more attractive, like to target like youth or developing talent in Japan. Because I kind of think about it this way, like an NBA. I think there's a lot of NBA parallels. This is the second NBA parallel that I'm bringing. But like, I don't know if you guys remember the player Luke Ba'amute from Cameroon. You know, the fact that he was developed in Cameroon and he was found somewhere in Cameroon and he came here in the NBA he had a pretty successful career. The fact that, you know, even though he didn't start all the time, but he stayed on a team for a while. And with his success, you see other Cameroonian players coming along. Pascal Siakam, Joel Embiid. So that makes the Cameroonian basketball market more attractive, I think, because of someone like Luke Baamute. So yeah, so I think that could have the same impact with Ichiro's presence in MLB. 
and making the Japanese market look more attractive. So, yeah. Makes me wonder if a guy like Ichiro or I don't remember who the other Japanese American player you said, or not Japanese American, the Japanese player that you said that came over, you know, no one ever remembers him, right? Like I'd never heard of that guy before. I've heard of Ichiro. Right. So it makes me wonder if Ichiro maybe wasn't as successful. He had like a few good seasons and, you know, maybe he had a long career still, but he wasn't like exceptional. Like he really is, you know, the Hall of Famer that he is. If that has the same impact on, you know, the Japanese translation into major league players. Because Japanese players think that, you know, they can make it and they can compete. And also, you know, major league teams see this could be the next Ichiro. Like you said, um, Shohei Otani, I mean, just a talent that is unheard of, right? And you don't know if maybe we're looking at the Japanese league a little bit different if, you know, Ichiro had set the bar so high that you're always, you know, looking for that special talent out of there. So to answer your original question, G, I think there's no doubt in my mind he finishes that record and beats Pete Rose. And Pete Rose, that's an incredible record. Like, Calling back to a few episodes, that's like Wayne Gretzky like records, right? That that these two guys are putting up. So, and I, I don't think anyone would ever even come close to that today. Mm-hmm. I like to like kind of talking about like the role that Ichiro played and like other Japanese players coming in. Like, what if, let's say Ichiro and Shohei Otani are switched? Otani is like coming in late 1990s, early 2000s. Imagine this guy coming in from the Japanese league. He's pitching 25 starts a year, 30 starts a year, getting home runs all over the board. Would he even be invited to play in the major league baseball? Because like, who is this guy? Like he thinks he could do both. I feel like maybe Ichiro opening it up the door for Japanese players coming in, but also maybe just an open mindset to baseball. Like it's a very traditional sport. Imagine this guy in the early 2000s coming in trying to throw 30 starts a game for the Mariners or yeah, for the Mariners angels. And then like have 400 plate appearances, hit 40, 50 home runs. It's interesting to think about. And then Ichiro shows up and you're like, why aren't you as big as that guy? Like, like, what do you just hit singles? What is this? That's right. Yeah. We need the, we need some guy to get 35 <laughs> home runs over here. What are you doing? What? You don't pitch What? what's up? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Eddie, I think going on your points about the parallels to the NBA, I think the thing that stuck out to me when I was looking up a lot of this stuff about Ichiro was the name that kept popping into my mind was Giannis. Like he is Giannis. If Giannis came to the NBA at age 27, imagine if Giannis had, cause it took him a while to develop, but then now he's probably one of the three best players in the league. But imagine if we heard about this guy in Greece, just like growing up this, he's huge. He's powerful. He can do anything. And then by the time he's 27, he finally comes over here. I feel like that's kind of what Ichiro's situation would be like. Because like if Giannis came when he was 27, you bet on him winning the MVP because we've seen him already win the MVP and he's not even 27 yet. <laughs> so that was the name that stuck out to me. And that got me thinking like, I mean, if Giannis wins a bunch of championships, would we see him as like the greatest of all time? Or is it because like, he's Greek or like he's a foreign born player that we never hold him in the same kind of standard as we hold LeBron or Michael Jordan. So basically you're saying as Americans, we've 
been ripped of the chance of seeing Giannis-esque years from Ichiro before he was 27. Like we just didn't get to see it. From an American's perspective, yeah. But then they got to see it in Japan, which is good for them. So yeah. <laughs> at least he was at least he was playing baseball. That's all that really matters. So as long as Ichiro is playing baseball, everyone's happy. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like four for four. We all think Ichiro would break Pete Rose's all-time record for hits in Major League Baseball history. And the Mariners probably play in a World Series <laughs> for the first time ever. <laughs> Man. That could be interesting too. Like, would A Rod stay a Mariner? Would Ken Griffey Jr. stay a Mariner? Would Randy Johnson stay a Mariner? Because you'd imagine if they had more success, then they could have a dynasty. Yeah. Gene, how fitting you said, by the way, before I forget, four for four in regards to like all four of us thinking that Ichiro would break the record. That's also a stat line that Ichiro probably saw plenty of during his career too. <laughs> Nicely done. Hey, we're batting 100. 1,000. There you go. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so those are the main things I wanted to talk about. Also, I had just heard of this guy, Saya Suzuki. Saya Suzuki, I'm not sure pronouncing his name right, but apparently he's going to be the next big thing. So you heard it here first, folks. Anything else anyone else wants to talk about? Uh, this might have been the first podcast where Melky Cabrera and Ichiro were said in the same episode. So, I... <laughs> along with Luke and Bamute, <laughs> <laughs> he did go to your alma mater, G. Oh, he went to Michigan, UCLA, UCLA. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Man, that Cameroon to UCLA pipeline it's real. There you go. Yeah, so I think that's what we got for you today. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Shout out to Ichiro, man. Inspiration to us all. It's a great topic. I, I love watching Ichiro. He's so much fun. It's the man. And we'll catch you on our next episode. And until then, hope you have a great time. And happy birthday to Eddie. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the What If Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you'll know when we've released a new episode. And check out our social media pages on Instagram and Twitter at WhatIfPodSTL. Again, that's at WhatIfPodSTL. Stay tuned as we continue to reimagine the world of sports. who doesn't need a mic because he's got those sultry tones go get what you want you got this do it get that steak and happy birthday eddie thank you so much i appreciate it thank you for saying those things about me some of those things i don't recall it's probably all the headbutting that you did as a child (laughs) (laughs) some brain damage up there maybe you might might be right (laughs) anything else anyone else wants to talk about uh this might have been the first podcast where melky cabrera and ichiro were said in the same episode so (laughs) along with luke and bob the what if podcast produced by michael kelly